Hey everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Fans of Power. And I'm Brian Ozone, along with Joe Amato. What's up, Joe? How's it going? I'm alright, and uh, today's a special episode because we're going to have a, a pop specialist with us today. Yep. Uh, we're going to have uh, Michael Jenkins join us. Uh, what's going on, Mike? Oh, not much. It's just a gloomy Sunday here, but uh, I did a nice walk on the river walk, and I'm having a good day. All right. Yeah, it's kind of kind of bad here too in New York City, but uh, all right. So we'll get into it. Uh, you have an article and uh, some things you want to speak about about um, the uh, the toy line, uh, the vintage toy line. Um, so why don't you shed some light upon us? Absolutely. Um, this is going. This is about Princess of Power, and as we all know, there's been a lot of information that's come out over the years for Masters of the Universe. We've got all sorts of coffee table books we've been able to collect, and there's just all sorts of information out there about Masters of the Universe. Uh, but there hasn't been as much for Princess of Power. And uh, He-Man.org and some other sources, uh, Danielle Galerter has uh, done some interviews jim tallstar has done some interviews on there and uh here and there we have pieces of information but none of it's been like pulled together and you know i've, I've read those interviews over the years danielle did this uh interview in particular back in i think it was march of 2015 so it's not it's not a brand new article and i'm sure it's kind of recent though yeah some fans have read it but you know, a lot of people don't like to read or, you know, it's it's just information that they didn't get uh, on the first pass. And even I, when I uh, I read it, I was just in that camp of, you know, Princess of Power was supposed to be Masters of the Universe first. And when I read this article, uh, the her name is Janice Varney Hamlin. She was a uh, a director of worldwide marketing fashion dolls so she was in the she was in the girls department at mattel at the time and she's like no that's not true sheer was always a girls department brand so all that stuff about her being boys department is just not true or it's not accurate and as soon as i started reading that article and i read that part i just kind of turned my brain off because i didn't want to (laughs) hear I didn't want to hear what she had to say because I, I was just in denial that she could have been a girl's property first. So for, you know, I've been chewing on trying to figure out like the chicken and the egg mystery with with Princess of Power. Like, where did she start? Did she start as a girl's brand? Did she start as a boy's brand? You know, there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies in how she's been branded and marketed from the beginning. And that's just been one of my obsessions over the years. So I went back, I read the article, and it's almost a year later, and I totally misread the article on my first pass. Okay. So, uh, you know, last week I did this post on Facebook, you know, correcting my own self and perhaps a lot of other fans. And what she was saying in the article was, the female action figure concept like the started in the girls department and the girls department actually came up with this whole concept and they were developing it, but they couldn't find a way to bring it 
to retail. There was just no, no place for it. So the idea they came up with was, well, at the time, Masters of the Universe was doing so well, why don't we connect it with Masters of the Universe and give it some credibility and some instant recognition and maybe it'll take off. So you're saying Shira so she was supposed to be a complete different entity altogether, not connected at all with He-Man and Masters of the Universe? Originally, there was, it was a female action figure concept. Uh, she didn't go into detail about what it what it was and okay it's sounding like she it wasn't developed that far yet it wasn't even called she-ra at that point okay there there was just no marketability to it uh retailers were not uh warming up to it there was no place for it as far as trying to market it and get retail to buy into it so they were going to can it so the next thing that happened was uh, let the solution was, okay, let's connect it with Masters of the Universe and see if it'll take off. Well, wow. before that idea could get any further, the boys' department's like, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're not going to connect some girly brand with Masters of the Universe. That'll just drag Masters of the Universe down. So the boys' department actually took that concept over. They took it away from the girls' department, and then they started developing it on their own. And it got far enough that they started getting the names. They had the evil whore developing at the time. So they brought over the, the, the girl action figure concept and combined it with the evil horde. Because wow. there were... All of that was going to roll out in 1985 anyway. They were already working on the Evil Horde. They are going to roll the Evil Horde out somehow in 1985. This girl's product line was brought over into the boys' department. And they said, why don't we just develop both of these concepts together? And that's when we got into the Great Rebellion and the whole, the whole concept of uh, the other sword wielder. So that was all before the cartoon. You're saying all the toys and everything were thought of even before the cartoon. That is cor- that is correct from all this all this evidence that's coming together. Okay. And so, for a a small window of time, that concept was being developed in the boys' department. And so, uh, they didn't even know what her name was going to be. It started off maybe it was going to be Hera. Hera was already trademarked and it, it belonged somewhere else. So, and this is where uh, filmation comes into the to the time frame because uh, Princess of Power was developed very closely with filmation. And Larry Dottilio is essentially the father of Princess of Power because he he's the the main writer that came up with uh, Secret of the Sword. Uh, and brought all those concepts, you brought the horde in, brought uh, the female property in, and developed that, that whole opening story. And wow. So, so all That's of that a lot was, of light shit on. <laughs> so wow. all of that was, while all of that was coming together, and uh, the Mattel boys department were trying to develop that, that toy. And apparently it just wasn't flying with, with Mattel. It, or the Mattel bigwigs, and at some point, 
the girls department was able to yank it back and it developed further over on the girls side and it be, that's when it became a separate property once again Wow, which would explain a lot of the, seems like, confusion of, like, the Horde in the cartoon, but then the Horde belonged to Masters of the Universe figures. Like, they wouldn't have fit in possibly with Princess of Power too manly, too beastly as a figure line? or Correct, because one of the main stipulations of uh, the, the female product line is you can't have anything ugly. You can't have any monsters or anything ugly or evil swimming around in there. So you didn't get characters like Shadow Weaver or Octavia. Octavia, for example, was being developed as a figure for the the boys' side. You, know, you could see that in the Power and Honor, the Power and Honor Foundation catalog. Uh, there's uh, concepts of her being developed in there. So she would have been a horde figure in the Masters of the Universe toy line. Oh, wow. because she's, she was just too ugly. So you're not going to have a monstrous, ugly character in Princess of Power. All of those characters, all of those figures are beautiful, doll, doll-esque yeah. type characters. So Scorpia, if they did a Scorpia, most likely she would have fallen into the Masters of the Universe horde camp, not Princess of Power. Wow, so that, I mean, like, even, I mean, like, you have Catcher, which is, you know, she's evil and she's wicked, but I guess she's still pretty enough to belong in the line, and that's why we didn't have many, I guess, evil females evil for characters. the figures. Yeah. yeah, you only had, officially, officially you had only had two. You had Catra and, and Trapta. And Trapta. Yeah. That's and it. You could, and if you wanted to have fun with Double Trouble, you could say she could be both or something if you wanted, I guess, huh? If you wanted a third. Correct. And for a brief time, a very brief time, Castaspella was a villain. Right. In some of the in some of the fiction, uh, she's she's in Catra's camp. She's a minion of Catra. But that was a very brief time period. And she quickly became we all know her as a great rebellion leader. Wow, I mean, so that, that like you said, I guess then now we see why a lot of the the mini comic storybooks were a little more lighthearted. Never seemed like they were even evil or wicked either because i mean i guess if they were trying to keep the, the look of the figures i guess a little more lighthearted, and like you said geared towards i mean obviously the target audience at that time was a younger female crowd that they were trying to bring in you know to action figures maybe that's right. why you know the stories were but you know i can't believe shadow weaver that's the one that shocked me now why couldn't we have got her i mean like you said if she would have been made she would have probably been for masters but i mean she's behind a cloak you can't see her face it's not like we see the evil behind why couldn't she have been in the princess of power toy line well one of the the things with uh in particular shadow weaver she is a filmation exclusive creation that was not created by mattel directly okay larry detilio created shadow weaver so that brought in some legality issues. Of, right. Okay, so we're, it's not a creation of Mattel. We've right. Got That's why we didn't that. get any other filmation characters until recent. Exactly, because we had yeah. they had Mattel had to jump through all those special hoops to get the legal rights to make those types of characters. So Shadow Weaver was never made as a figure because of that issue. Well, and which would explain, like you'd say, why the Sorceress took so long for Masters, another filmation character, and that's why it seemed so long to get her in the Masters line, possibly. 
possibly because uh, technically we always had uh, a sorceress character. Yeah, Tila. Uh, right. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Tila. She started off as the goddess. Right. And in, in some of those meaning comics, they actually refer to her as the sorceress, but she's <laughs> in the she's in the snake armor. Right. Uh, so what happened was when Filmation came along and they're developing the, the cartoon series, there was already exactly. Yes. Because yeah. there was already that confusion, you know, the mini comic tale of Tila, they had to come out right. with that story to explain, Oh, you've got to buy two Tila's so that you can <laughs> have your goddess in your Tila figures. You know, you have to buy both of them to, to, to make, the two different characters. Well, that was so confusing that when the cartoon came along, uh, like Brian is saying, they had to split those characters up and they took the Zor uh, toy motif and made that the design foundation for the sorceress and made her a totally separate character. And there was no way you were going to get the two confused. Uh, but because of that, that, that caused a little bit of, gray area for okay are we going to do a figure for the sorceress or are we just going to say we already did the sorceress figure so by the time 1987 comes around the end of the line you get the sorceress but by that point most of us are either grown out of it or um, you know moving on, on other things. things yeah, yeah. Well, see that's what's unfortunate is um now you said that they were thinking at one time the boys department tried to get, you know, the line and they were going to develop it along with the horde, but then the girls department got it back. Now, do you think that if it would have been, obviously if it would have stuck under the, the master's moniker, or if it would have been developed in the boys department, do you think the figures possibly could have had molded hair and wouldn't have had the combed hair? Meaning the reason I say this is as much as I love that cartoon back then, love Princess of Power along with He-Man because they went hand in hand, you know, as I was like, you know, they were the same thing. But when it came to the figures, the figures were dolls. Yeah, they, they were different. Yeah. They were a different look, and they were also dolls. And not a lot of guys obviously played with dolls, and right. they would have felt uncomfortable with that. But when I had Tila, when I had Evelyn, when I had Sorceress, they felt like – action figures and i feel like if she would have been under that type of style with maybe molded hair not only would the guys have bought it the girls still would have bought it too but i felt like they lost a big audience with a lot of guys because a lot of guys didn't want to feel like they're playing with a doubt per se absolutely uh, basically i i refer to the girls department mattel as the barbie people so which they uh, pretty the, much are which they <laughs> really pretty, uh, yeah. abs- yes, because what it came down to, I, I believe the the selling factor for the big wigs at Mattel was uh, Barbie at the time was f- floundering. Her sales had dropped, and they were trying to figure out a way to boost her sales again. So what uh, Janice was saying in her, in the interview was that they wanted to create these flanker product lines that would eventually help boost the the Barbie sales. So Mattel's market share in the girls department at that time was mostly Barbie. And so they had to diversify their product lines. So they came out with more family friendly things like, uh, I don't know what, I think it was something like family heart or bear heart or whatever the, the, that toy line was. And they also entered the, 
female action doll area, which is which was this female action doll line that they were developing that eventually evolved into Shira. And wow. so they were trying to come out with all of these other flanker lines that would <laughs> grab more uh, girls' market share, and then eventually they would kind of wean them off and put Barbie in the spotlight. That was the whole plan. So uh, the boys' department tried to reel this female action doll concept, and they wanted to control it. You know, they didn't want this this girls line coming in and trying to share the spotlight with He-Man. And so when their concepts, their toy concepts failed, the girls department came in and said, hey, this should be a Barbie product, a Barbie flanker line. Let's bring it back and focus on that. So they bring it back. They do the, the soft, good clothing. They do the combable hair. They they put all of those those Barbie loving concepts in there because they figured Barbie's the the flagship female brand and at that time He Man's the flagship boys yeah. brand. Why don't we do a hybrid of both? And it should sell it should sell like hotcakes, right? So that was the idea. But like you guys are saying, by doing that, you lost a big chunk of who you could potentially sell to because if Shira had stayed in the boys boys market she would have had molded hair mm -hmm. uh, she wouldn't have had soft good clothing she would have been just like Tila she would have had the right. plastic hair her clothes would have been plastic she would have more most likely looked closer to her cartoon rendition than she did her her toy rendition. So that, that's that's what I believe. Um, we don't know, but that's what would have sold more toys is if she would have looked more like her filmation counterpart. Yeah, because the yeah. yeah the toy and especially with like the mini comics, the whole thing with like her mask that is also her tiara, you know, like her switches around, you know, when she right, transforms. Yeah, like, you know, of course we didn't get that in the cartoon. We got that in that cool commercial that uh, everybody, I think a lot of people have seen, and you've seen, Mike and Brian, yes. that yeah. want to advertise the toys. And I, I wondered how cool or how would it would maybe been if She-Ra would have had that, rever you know, reversible tiara slash mask. Would it, I mean, She-Ra, sorry. What it would have been like if that was reversible, but I don't know how fans would have felt with that. Because sometimes just looking at the uh, the mini comics, when it would be flipped and it's on and it's off, it's like she's almost similar. And she didn't have that switch from the Adora like we knew in the cartoon, a completely different outfit, or outfit <laughs> to, um, bam, She-Ra. She had yeah. She-Ra to basically She-Ra, it felt like. It was just, right. she looks so similar. Well, that was that whole doll playability thing that the girls' department was working on. And, you know, you could take her, her clothes off, you could take her dress off, and you could take her accessories off, and you could, you could take her cape off, and you can create all these different looks because they came up with that fashion fantastic fashion line yeah. where you could give her new clothes and everything. So the concept of, of the Shira figure being two figures in one, being both Adora and She-Ra, was in, in the girls' department eyes part of the, the appeal or the sellability of that figure. Because, wait, wait, you can take her dress off, you can 
switch her tiara around, and she's Princess Adora. I mean, you know, that's supposed to be like a big wow factor, but you know, I mean, she she just didn't she didn't look like the cartoon. So I think that was kind of a failure uh, on on that part on their part because that whole concept of the masked tiara thing quickly died. So oh, yeah. the first three or four mini comics and some of the golden books uh, reflect that concept very strongly, but it doesn't take long for that concept to just disappear. And most people don't even know about it mm-hmm. or they, they totally ignore it. Yeah. Actually when the, the, the uh, classics version came out and people were showing pictures of the tiara upside down or, you know, the mask version or whatever. And, you know, people was flipping out about it. They were like, wow, I never knew this. I never knew it could, you know, it was able to, to, to be like that. And then people were going back and showing the vintage too, that you were able to do it with that as well. Right. And so, you know, it really shocked fans that, uh, that was a, a selling point at one point. Um, and again, with the golden books, uh, and the mini comics, and then it, it just quickly disappeared. Like you said, um, it just went away. It vanished kind of uh, something that they kind of lost. In my opinion, thankfully, but I, I'm one of those that is in the, mostly the filmation camp. Um, because that's, that's what I grew up with. Um, I didn't get into the mini comics until, uh, well, I, I had the one She-Ra figure as a kid, so I had the story of She-Ra meaning comic. Uh, but I didn't see any of these other meaning comics until I was grown up and the internet was around and He-Man.org has that nice art archive of all of the meaning comics. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until like a couple of years ago even that I was able to see all of that. Yeah, and I wish fans, more fans would talk about, I mean, other outlets – of Princess of Power besides the cartoon or maybe just, you know, some of the figures. Because like you said, the mini comics, it's just like Masters of the Universe. There's a share of good and bad. You know, there's not they're not all fantastic and they're not all great. And the same thing, there's golden books. There's other things that people can talk about because, you know, sometimes I'll hear Princess Power fans say, you know, there's not a lot of discussion on Princess of Power. And I'm like, you know, I'm posting stuff on posters. I'm posting mini comic stuff, other things, and there's no discussion. And Masters fans, they'll talk about everything from the cartoon to the mini comics to golden books to, to everything. But yeah. A lot of Princess of Power fans, when I try to bring up a discussion on mini comics, it, it goes dead. And I'm like, why is it going dead? You know, it's like there's more to just the figures and the cartoon. There's I, I literature. Think I think yes. it's because it's harder to get. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it was more avail. Like, um, maybe it's not people didn't keep it or it wasn't as produced much as the master stuff was. Maybe uh, people didn't hold on to it as much as the other fan master fans did. It's a possibility. Um, just like I said, it just shocks no. me because, like I said, I'll yeah. see them display their their vintage collection of figures loose. But... There is a lot of, of of other outlets to be seen, and <laughs> there are made. It's just I don't think people held on to it to well, to this day. Well, think about it this way: I would say that uh, <laughs> a, a good percentage of uh, these fan communities are most likely male. And so with that being the case, if, and I, and I know that there's a lot of collectors that are like me when, when you're a boy is particularly back in the eighties, you know, mid, mid 
early mid eighties going into the nineties, you weren't going to buy that stuff. You were not going to be caught dead in the Barbie. <laughs> that's, why I ha- that's why I had a kid sister to collect it all for me. Wait, look at Brian. He, he knows the way he gets all the stuff. I had my loophole. <laughs> you had a loophole, but I didn't have a little sister. I didn't have a sister. <laughs> so there was no way I was going to get this stuff. I had to beg. Yeah. I, had to, I had to get on my mother's ever-living nerves <laughs> for her to break down and say, okay, I'll get you a She-Ra. You know? Right. And I, I had to make a deal with her. And I had to smuggle that. that I, call, I call them action figures. I know they're fashion action dolls, but the She-Ra, they're figures to me. So I had to smuggle that, that figure into my bedroom as a kid, and I could never let my father know. I had to agree with my mother. I had to make an agreement with her. I could never let him know that I had that She-Ra figure. So, isn't, that, wow. isn't that a shame? That's, that's a shame that, like I said, just because how they marketed that they would put – you'd have to resort to stuff like that. Like I said, if it could have just been – hypothetically, if it was plastic hair that everybody – Boys and girls would have just gladly bought and wouldn't have any worry about. Oh God, you know what is somebody gonna think if I had this figure? Because yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I wanted them too. And I had a girlfriend that lived right in the neighborhood that had Princess of Power, so we could, you know, play together. I was like, hey, I'm, I, I could play with Shira now. You know, it's, it's okay. And yeah. at least with her stuff. And that's how. You know, it's weird is you talk about mini comics. There was only one I ever remembered. I mean, it wasn't till I got older, just like you know, you guys, that I started seeing the other mini comics and enjoying it all but it, it was the story of she-ra but now you know of course there's the story of she-ra that came with the action figure and remember the other variant cover that says princess of power that has a beautiful illustrated you know painted piece on it yes yeah okay now um th- well my girlfriend got that from a barbie magazine right and yes. yeah yeah, it was in a Barbie magazine, and it was the only mini comic that I had because when she got it, she gave it to me. She's like, "Oh, it's like it's like He Man." I was like, "Wait, man, it's like He Man." It's like I wasn't understanding what was going on at first because it said Princess of Power, and I couldn't remember at that time if I got that around the time of the cartoon when it came out. I just don't know how it got in my possession. I just remember I was lost, and I opened it up, and sure enough, there's She-Ra, and then and you see He-Man at the beginning of the Sorcerer's Hordak, and then that's the last time, like you said, you ever seen Hordak in any Princess of Power mini-comic. Right. But, but what was even stranger about that is for years, I didn't know that mine was wrong, meaning – do you know that there's no page numbers on the one that came in the Barbie magazine that says Princess of Power? There are no page numbers. And oh, wow. the reason oh, this is going to get stranger, I don't know if this is only my version or not. When I got the mini comics that came with the figures, and I've got the story of she with the alternate one, I started reading. I was like, wait a second. I was like, this ain't right. I was like, this is out of order. And then I looked. I was like, but wait, these are page numbers. I have it where my page, I think it's seven and eight, were reversed. They were flipped. So there was a scene as a kid. Yeah, it used to freak me out as a kid. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I see, you know, the the, the castles crumbling around Adora. And then on the next page, I see Shira transform. But in the next page, she's Adora again, and there's Catcher outside. <laughs> and it, it had me so lost. Awesome. I was like, this is the most confusing thing I'm ever reading. And I it just, again, wow. as a kid. There's no numbers. I thought that's how the story was written. I was like, oh, this man. is bonkers. And that's then when crazy. I finally – yeah, when I got the story of Shira, I was like, crazy. yeah, I was like, it's an order. So in case nobody ever knew that, I'd like to know if I'm the only person. 
the Princess of Power one that came with Barbie magazine is out of order. And no numbers. There's no page numbers. Well, luckily, I, you know, I don't have that version because I, I apologize. I'm as anti-Barbie as you can get. So there, <laughs> there is no way I was going to be able to get that, that version. Um, so you think that's I, why it was uh, like what you were saying earlier about how maybe She-Ra could bring people back to Barbie? Do you think that's why that mini comic was stuck into that Barbie magazine? Maybe? No, I think it was just there to, to market that brand and um, show, show Mattel showing that we have other stuff besides Barbie, right. too. Yeah, uh, it seems you know, like that could have been the 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 possible the possibility of it, you know. Right, to shed some light on other other uh, items that they have in that genre. Right, because uh, what they had found was thirty percent of the Masters of the Universe market was girls. Oh wow, that's a big Particular, percentage. Particularly watching the show. Uh, there were a lot of girls, you know, one third were interested in Masters of the Universe. And so the sentiment on the boys side was already there. You already had Filmation had put in, was doing a very good job of representing uh, female characters. Uh, and there was already sentiment at Mattel, geez, you only have two female characters. You, you should probably put more in there. Uh, and it, it, once they got those demographic numbers, that was when they said, oh, you know what? We need to take this from, from the girls department and we need to try to do something with it. And we need to put more female representation into the line because, uh, Filmation was already saying, Lou Scheimer was already saying, you guys should do something with a female He-Man. We, you guys need to be doing this. So it, it was those sales numbers that told Mattel, yeah, we really should be doing this. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Um, uh, but unfortunate as far way, isn't that unfortunate? What a way of separation. You know, because when that cartoon was out, Princess of Power and Masters of the Universe, I mean, boys and girls gladly just watched it together. That's, that's the first cartoon that really a guy could watch comfortably without it feeling like, oh, that's a, a girly cartoon. It, it sure didn't feel like it. I mean, it was action-packed, yep. good stories. I mean, you know, it had the animation that we were familiar with, and then how the figures were to where then you'd be afraid of figures. But it seems like that created such a gap and divide in, like, the Masters community. And Princess Bower, because it seems like you'll see some fans are just hardcore masters and some that are hardcore pop, and they'll both defend theirs till the end of time, which is great. But it's like I'll see sometimes both groups not respect the other group, and I'm like, to me, that that just it really drives me nuts when I'll see that, when I'll see name calling. It's like you know, come on, you know, this is without one, the other wouldn't exist, and they're all it's all under the same yeah. banner. It's yeah, all, it's all the same. Uh, yeah, you gotta the, respect it. Yeah, the thing is, you know. when you watch uh, the Princess of Power cartoon show, it's 50-50. Yeah. It's literally split Definitely. right down the middle. Half of Definitely. it is, is Masters of the Universe. like all, Well, not all of the villains, but most of the villains are Masters of the Universe toys. Like the, the villain line is Masters of the Universe. And then the heroic faction is Princess of Power. And then both factions have a little bit of the other. So a little bit of the villain, villainous faction is Princess of Power. 
and he alert. also you also had He-Man visit Men at Arms. Uh, the Sorceress right. would be on it from time to time. Orko right. snuck on a few times. <laughs> right. You, know, Which, you, you you had Masters of the Universe uh, heroes on there as well. Right. Uh, He-Man appeared an average of every seventh episode of, wow. of, of the whole run of that show. So, you know, some some fans uh, are, argue that it probably should have been Mas- He-Man and the Masters of the Universe season three. And yeah, you know, I've heard a that lot as of, well. Yeah, there's a lot of suspicion that it started off that way in uh, – because everything lined up to do this separate toy line, it just eventually evolved into focusing more on Princess of Power. But they didn't want to get rid of their main marketing piece for Masters of the Universe, so they kept they kept that there. So, I mean, already half of your show is Masters of the Universe, and they figured it was just sufficient enough to bring He-Man back Every seventh episode or so, just to keep that that Masters of the Universe rep- representation going. But mm-hmm. you still lost a lot of your fans because all all kids know is the show is called She-Ra, Princess of Power. It's not the He-Man show anymore. So, you know, they lost a lot of fans that way, which caused for the sales for that toy line to go down. And you know, so, oh, that's so sad because, I mean, who doesn't remember when, you know, Secret of the Sword was at the movie theaters when they announced that and you're going to see, you know, He-Man on the big screen, of course, then yeah. you introduced great, the she time. I mean, it was and you got that free comic, you know, the day you were there, they're passing out a comic based off of the movie, which is the just the shortest comic in history, but it's still cool. But right. um, just to see them on the big screen and then then you were hooked. I mean, I honestly, everybody I knew where I grew up up nobody had a problem with that cartoon everybody if they liked he-man they wanted to watch she-ra because it's like that was yes a female he-man that's he-man's sister and she did the same stuff and what's cool is you've seen the separation of like the the two characters meaning you know she had the sword of protection and that sword could turn into absolutely basically anything Anything. yeah anything which was awesome and i know that (laughs) yeah sword to blanket bam and you know like they joked about that and it happened but um happened yeah yeah yeah, exactly happened but i mean she could do any of that she could heal she could talk to animals animals, and and see this is when again like i'll try to like talk about the fairness between both he-man and she-ra because we all know we hear the classic saying who would win, He-Man or She-Ra? Who's stronger? Who's better? It's like, oh, okay, Let, let's not put these two in a fight, but let's do honest things from the cartoon that we know of, of facts. Fact, yeah. we know that She-Ra's sword, it's the sword of protection, so obviously it turns into anything. It's basically used to protect and aid and help, and plus it is, you know, it's her sword, but she has a sword of protection. She can heal. She can talk to animals. And then people think, okay, He-Man's nothing then. He's just got his sword. He doesn't do anything. It's like, okay, well, He-Man's got the sword of power. But then people forget, cartoon-based, if we're using logic, his sword merged with the Sword of the Ancients, which was the second most powerful weapon in all of Eternia at that time. So that means He-Man's sword has almost became twice as strong. (laughs) His chest harness that he has, remember, 
it was forged from cordite that the sorceress got from the widgets or whatever. And that, from when Skeletor wanted some of that cordite, remember he said it would make him a hundred times stronger or whatever. So picture, He-Man, who's already strong from the power of Grayskull, now has this harness that's making him even stronger. So that's why I always try to say if we're just going to be fair between both of them, you could say He-Man is stronger logically because of his harness and his sword is stronger. She-Ra is more versatile with a sword that turns into anything. She can heal, and she can talk to animals. So, I mean, they both have their pluses in a right. way. But but when I do that, sometimes I, I get chewed out from both sides. Some people, you know, say, nope, she was more powerful. And like, you know, oh, nope, this He-Man still is powerful. And, and I'm not trying to put one over the other. I'm just giving the facts from the cartoons. Yeah, you just, I mean, I think you have to keep an open mind because... Right. Uh, when you when you get into new adventures, and, I, and this is kind of off off topic, but He Man taps into his the the abilities of his sword very differently in new adventures. So so he's right, doing right. more things with the sword in new adventures than he did in the filmation show. And my pulling upon the power of all of Eternia instead of just Grayskull. Exactly. Right, right. You know. Yeah. So I look at it as you know, you're an individual wielder of the power sword, and that individual is finding different ways to tap into the power. Like, the power source itself is equal, it's one thing. And it's up to the individual sword wielder to tap into that power and figure out how they're going to use the powers. So He-Man, at some point, learns to use that power differently by the time he gets to new adventures. So he's, he's uh, doing laser projectiles and he's doing laser whips and he's doing all these different things with his sword that we never saw him do before. And it's just that he learned to use those abilities as he, as he went along. Mm -hmm. That's my theory. I don't, I don't know. I like it. No, I, I like it. I mean, oh, like I said, yeah. I, I go with anything that, like you said, would make sense. If it's presented right in front of us, we go with it. See, that's what's good about like you know bringing up things like that. We can understand and learn from what is source material that anybody can see without just having one thing that we want to say. It's, it's like the same thing when you want to compare Alcala He-Man to Filmation He-Man. I see that debate to the end of time. There's so many people say Alcala is so much superior and Filmation is terrible. I was like, they both have their good spots. Yes, the Alcala one had a more barbaric feel to it, obviously, a little more Conan-ish, which was good. <coughs> and then the Filmation He-Man was more Superman-like, if you will, you know, a little more heroic, super strong. Because, I mean, if you want to use logic, I mean, Filmation He-Man, if he was to punch Alcala He-Man, he'd knock him, you know, into five different universes because he has a different power. You know, the right. Alcala He-Man isn't that super-powered one. But it's a grittier story, you know, and it's almost like how when He-Man first started off, as much as people want to joke the Filmation cartoon saying it's just corny, it's cheesy, it's like, watch that first season of Masters of the Universe. It was a little more serious toned, the music, the atmosphere, the feel. It wasn't until the parent groups got involved to when season two came, then we seen a little more lightheartedness, if you will, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. It, oh. made it, it made it more as a, as a selling point for the toys as well. I would say season two is more than first season. Yeah, so it's 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 unfortunate, like I said, just to see groups and how they will attack one side or think one side. I like I said I embrace it all because I've seen it. You know, I mean, I think it's also all... how people translate everything. You know, how they 
make uh, make of things. So I think that becomes a part of it as well. Yeah, because I mean, you're limiting yourself if you're gonna say close your mind four, and just yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna thing. say right, right. Just, yeah, the, the four stories, the four original mini comics of Master Universe, you know, Alcala, that's my He Man. It's like really four stories. That's it, and you're done. I mean, what about all the other mini comics? Like so thirty plus like, years of material to go by. Exactly. You know, you just yeah. can't go by four stories. Yeah, it's like I said, you can love it, be passionate about something, but, you know, embrace other stuff and be a little more open-minded. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Could you imagine if there was some nutcase only like the Meteorbs and that was it and talked about them all the time and nothing else? (laughs) Picture that. Picture that. But, uh, yeah, maybe we should take a break. But, you know, when we come back, if you want, we could talk about the story of She-Ra mini-comic because that, you know, beyond how I talked about the different covers and the out-of-order comparing, uh, it was kind of a different story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very different. Get some yeah. more light on people that don't know the story, so that'd be great. Yeah. All right, commercial time. You're listening to a podcast from PopCultureNetwork.com. All right, guys, we're back, and um, so now we're gonna dig into the uh, the mini comic story of Shira, and I'll hand it back over to our pop specialist, Michael Jenkins. Okay. Uh, let's see. The story of Shira, the meaning comic. Uh, I'm biased here. So, of course, my first experience is I went to the, the movie theater as a kid. I saw Secret of the Sword in the theater. I got the, the little comic. Uh, you guys have talked about it a little bit ago. <laughs> right. Uh, very brief, but that was my first experience with that story or uh, the introduction of Shira into the mythology. It, it, you know, clearly the movie didn't do that well at the box office, but it was a huge event for me. And it was a huge event for a lot of, a lot of kids that went to see it. Oh yeah. So uh, fast forward. I don't know. I don't recall when I actually got that action figure that uh, my mother smuggled to me. But that meaning comic, I was so angry with it because <laughs> it didn't follow the cartoon, or it didn't what? Follow the, the the flow. It didn't follow the the cartoon. The story was totally different. So the first four pages, okay, you know, it's a comic book. It's not a cartoon, so you know, you got to tell the story a little differently. It's going to flow a little differently, but it's essentially the same story. So you get Hordak, or it, it's it actually starts very similar to the to the movie. Yeah, where uh, the sorceress she's uh, having a nightmare and she sees uh, Hordak t- stealing the baby, and you may have won this time, but you'll never see this child <laughs> again. And he takes off with the baby. Man at Arms is trying to. Stop him! He's got a white mustache. I always wondered why the heck does he have a white? Oh wow, mustache? really? He, he aged yeah. quickly I from said, the curtain. What's going on with the facial hair? So, uh, but and then and then it it goes into He Man shows up at Castle Grayskull. Well, you know, what? hold up, Mike. Let's talk about that because that is what's intriguing. You know, yeah. we see that it starts off like you said. You know, sorcerer sleeping, having the nightmare of Hordak taking, you know, the princess, and then he goes into a portal, and, and Man at Arms is, you know, there, and he was like, "Oh God, we lost her forever," and he was like, "Only the sword can protect her now." Now, that's what's different. He says, yes. "Only the sword can protect her now," and you see the sorceress wake up. You know, she screams Adora, and you see the sword floating. 
And right. she's like, but wait, what is this? The gleaming sword. It beckons me to follow. And then when it shows her walking, it says, this door of mystery closed for oh so many years. It's secret unrevealed, which I, I don't know if I've ever heard unrevealed and revealed. So I, I got a little lost <laughs> with that. But um, then she says – now, now, the sign of the sword <laughs> isn't that. Am I the only one that got confused? Unrevealed. I was like, wait a second. When you were re- you, you actually, you actually stopped me. I'm like, wait a minute. Unrevealed. Wait. Yeah, I don't know how many times I used to. I used to read. I was like, wait, what? So it's a secret that wasn't revealed because you reveal something. It's like, hey, you're showing. It. If you're unrevealing it, then you're hiding it back. So I don't know what this. <laughs> it hasn't been revealed yet. I think is. I yeah. guess. I'll yeah, I might have just read it wrong. You know, I'm not the most <laughs> literate person in the world. So, but so then this is this is when you see. Um, says now the sign of the sword returns and magically it opens. Could it be after so long? I got confused with the sign of the sword. So that sword that was there that opened the door, it really wasn't there. It was just like an apparition of it because as you find out, when we get to Etheria, mm-hmm. He-Man isn't taking the sword to Adora. She already has it. She already has it. So and how did it get there? Did it appear when she was a little girl? It just was there was all along? It into a diaper. <laughs> right, I mean, like what? Sword to diaper. You know. There you go. Sword of So did you think about that? Is that not confusing, though? I mean, am I the only one that thought, like, wait, how did the sword get – I didn't see it go with Hordak and Adora when they ran through there. So how did she get it for the first time and what? And like Brian said, was it her diaper all along? I, but I don't know. I don't know how that's – I don't know either. It's a, it's a question for the ages. Yeah, because see, and, until is. you – yeah, because unless you really read what she's saying there and – I always thought it was the sword just like in the cartoon. It appeared, it glowed, it opened the door, and that's it. But in this, you see it opens, and then it like dissolves almost into the light. So I'm assuming from what Man-at-Arms said earlier about only the sword can protect her now, it's always been there? Or was it something that just went there? Because I was like, if it went there that quick, how did she know and how did she become She-Ra and all that? But I guess like you said, we can get back to you now, Mike, where you said He-Man shows up and he has to go to Ethereum now. Well, that's a huge plot hole because He-Man is not really in the comic. So he jumps through the portal and you don't see him again until the end of the comic. Right, right. Uh, you know, spoiler, spoiler warning, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> he jumps through, and you're like, "All right, he man, go get him," you know, you know, and then you don't see him till the end of the comic. Yeah, so yeah, right. The, the next thing you see is Adora, who looks like Shira already with the tr and everything. She's on spirit. She's running through the forest. She's got the the cat demons after her. Catra's trying to get her, and uh, she shows up at. The Crystal Castle. And that's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, because Adora lives in the Crystal Castle. Uh-huh. In in the shield, her shield actually in the comics, or for a brief period of time in the comics, actually has like a a life of its own. It has its own powers. And Catra's shield seems to have powers too, but that concept's kind of dropped pretty quickly. Uh, and Shira or Adora becomes Shira, uh, I believe she says, by the honor of Grayskull, 
She does. It, what's confusing, like you said, when she's chasing her, because remember, Catra wants to get in the Crystal Castle. She wants. She to wants to get very Skeletor-esque. Exactly. It's all about that castle, you know. Which, if like you said, we've looked at the Crystal Castle, how it is as a toy and the depiction drawn, it looks exactly like Castle Grayskull, but pink and added into the eyes as like you know windows, but very similar. So you're right, trying to get that power. Right. So. She runs, you're right, she runs uh, into the castle, Adora does, and she's like, uh, 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 Spirit says something like, you know, keeping her fears secret, Adora comforts the frightened filly, which is Spirit, and she's like, Courage, Spirit, Catra's tried these tricks fa- uh, before and failed. Perhaps her shield is powerful, but ours will protect us from the foul feline's frightful forces. I like that. F- f- yeah, she said, it's something earlier, I think she said something like, That's courage. a tongue twister. Yeah, she did another dunk twister with the C. But yeah, she's like, um, you mustn't worry. This shield has been our saving grace, but can it match Catra's dark magic? And the power of her evil shield as well? If only there was something, and bam, there's a rumble. And you start seeing everything crumbling apart around, and, and then they're like, what will we do? She's running away, follow me. And then you see Catra with her shield all glowing, and she's like, beyond yeah. these walls lies all the power I've ever dreamed of. Mine yeah. now for the taking per. And that's when purr. you see yeah, <laughs> yeah purr instead of meow I, yeah exactly like wait purr exactly for the taking purr yeah you gotta do it more like uh yeah. cat woman you know purr. Yeah. you know you gotta get the yeah. roll in there i would have rather had the meow but i mean i guess the purr i mean that's frightful but a um, little julie newmarsh yeah, <laughs> yes it's so in the next scene, that's when that's when I got like I told you so lost with the sword because she's talking so much about that shield. But yeah. then when she runs to the top of you know the castle, she says, "If there ever be a greater good in all of theory, please show us uh, your power now." And then she grabs the sword and says, "By the honor of Grayskull, I am Shira." And that's when I got again more confused because like you were saying, Mike. I'm, com- you know, I'm used to the cartoon, how the events went. Obviously, how it's a secret identity, and I seen. Okay, she looks exactly the same, except now the the stuff's covering her eyes, like the you said it was flipped over, so her mask is on there. But Catra doesn't seem really confused about what happened, because when she sees them next. She's still just trying to, like, you know, take them out. I was like, wait, wait a second. Do you know that Adora is She-Ra? I mean, you're not seeming confused. You see them, and you're acting just like it's still Adora in spirit and not She-Ra in Swiftwind. And now, did you get that out of it, too, like I did? I got confused there. Right. I think it's similar to, like, the Alcala era, where He-Man didn't really have a secret identity, right? He didn't. Well, it's pretty much it was, just He-Man. Well, yeah, in the original. But, that, yeah. Go yeah, ahead. just but the thing is he was that's what's weird in the Kala, at least the four originals, he was just He Man, He Man. It was no Prince Adam, but in this, it's Adora and also She-Ra. So uh this is going between two different powers, but it's like maybe her turning into She-Ra isn't a big secret, apparently, at least in this mini comic, I guess. Right. Maybe Cat maybe Catra didn't see it like full on, the transformation. I, I just yeah. weird because she kept fighting her like she was fighting, you know, being after a door earlier. Like it right. didn't even just phase her. I don't know. It just got me a little confused. It's either that or uh, it's just, you know, Adora is the de- depowered version. Sure. She is the powered up version. So, oh boy, I better keep her from getting that sore because when <laughs> she powers up, I'm in trouble. It right, just, right. I think it's more one of those sorts of things. And then having a secret identity 
really isn't a big deal because for for God's sake, she already knows about the Crystal Castle. She knows that Adora lives there. She's trying to break into Adora's castle to get the power. So mm-hmm. I, that's that's what that era means to me. But there's a whole plot hole there. We don't know what happened to Hordak. Right. We don't know if if Catra's even a part of the Horde. I mean, there's a whole plot. We don't know what happened to the baby when she got to Etheria. I mean, that whole there's a whole story there. Where's that's, He-Man? Uh, what's that? I said, where's He-Man? Where's He-Man? I mean, He-Man is missing for the whole freaking mini-comic. And yeah. so it's there's a whole story that that mini-comic never tells. And then you never see it. You never see it for the rest of the run. No, and you don't. I mean, like I said, you're wanting so much more, but they I wish they could have did just a little more to fill in some little plot holes or something. Maybe one more page, you know, two. But yeah, because after She-Ra transforms in uh Catra's I mean, when she transforms into She-Ra and Catra's fighting, and she was like, you know, um now to take the castle, she Catra wants the castle or getting there, and then suddenly that's now we see He-Man because it says yeah, you know, he, falls, he falls out of the portal. Yeah, he falls out of the sky a portal, he bangs. <laughs> He banks right into Catro says, oh, Yeah, and bumps out of the way. But you know what I like in this compared to when we can talk about another one in a second? Is when he hits Catro, he, he's like, Madam, how clumsy of me. Let me retrieve your shield for you. And she's like, Barbarian Oaf, get out of my way. And it's like, Adori and her steed are free. My plans are ruined. Then She Ra, now see, now He Man, he doesn't know Catro's bad. He's trying to be nice. Like, I'm sorry yeah. I just flew out of the air and bumped this out of you. But then when She Ra sees them, she's calling them both evildoers because She Ra doesn't know who He Man oh, is. So she's th- right. Yeah, she's thinking he might be bad. But then that's when he says, Good Grayskull, his sword starts glowing. And so does Shira's, and they glow together. Shira runs off, and it says the glimmer of good. It arcs in triumph. No, it cannot be. That's when um Catcher runs off. You see the, go- the swords glowing, and then suddenly that's when uh He-Man talks to Shira about you know looking for somebody, and he mentions Eternia. She doesn't know of a place, and the sorceress appears in the shield. And starts yeah. talking to her and says, you know, long have I waited for this moment. And as a child was taken and we never spoke of again. And then finally it's like, uh, He-Man, meet your sister, She-Ra. It was so quick. <laughs> yeah, it was just quick. It was wrapped up. It was to the point. You know, and, yeah, and Sorceress flies out of the shield. You know, the pink Sorceress that we've seen before flies out of the shield. And she's physically there on Etheria touching both of them. I mean, not like that. I mean, you know, I mean, she's holding her arms. Uh-huh. Like, wait, what? No, I mean, she has her arms <laughs> around both of them and then he man and she-ra it ends with a smile but it's like i said so much wasn't explained but just that at least he man didn't assume catra was bad meaning because we could talk about something else in a second but that's what i used to not like in some stories is just because you see somebody that looks bad they have to be the bad guy. And that used to annoy me. I was like, you know, what if those were the innocent victims and the person that looks nice and good was the bad person? Well, right. that's just like in New Adventures, how Skeletor says he's the good guy to uh, flip shot and... Um, Hydra. Uh, right. And Hydra, right. And yep. take me back. I'm the hero, you know. So. And they fall for it. And they do. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that mini-comic was just strange because, like you said, it was written completely different it was obviously like you said it was it was not even trying to be like the cartoon even though it started off we got excited but then there was the super adventure book 
that that was the sword of Shira, not the story of Shira, but the sword of Shira. Now right. that one, if you guys remember, and I think you both do, that one followed the cartoon a little more closer. A little more closely. Yeah. Up, cover by Earl Norum. Got to say that beautiful cover. Beautiful man. I wish yeah. he would have. Uh, man, he everything he did was amazing. But yeah, that, that's I. I wish we would have had more. You know, posters of Earl Norum for Shira and Princess Power stuff. That would have been Absolutely. great. Absolutely. I think that would have brought a lot of people around. You know. Yeah, because that art, exactly, the art, how it drew in the Masters fans, it could have did the same exact thing, drawing in more pop fans, too. Yeah, it would have been nice to have an incorporation of both together on the same yes. page or, or art, you know, poster or whatnot. It would have been nice, she and He-Man fighting, you know, evil together. Right. Yeah. right. Something nice, that would have been nice. It's that cover that made me buy Temple of Darkness Sorceress. I prefer that sorceress the white sorceress to you know your standard filmation one yeah with that magical like uh white and blue glow in the background how she's charging up she sword is that what you mean right because i consider her the princess of power sorceress yeah really? because you know what's weird is if i'm not mistaken um the temple of darkness sorceress um i'm trying to remember something about the bird that came with her or came with the figure that didn't match up in that mini comic i was like Actually, silver, I believe, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like a gray, a grayish, very rare. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Something didn't match up, but yeah, I could see what you mean there because that's a beautiful. De- Again, we didn't have many depictions of the sorcerers from Earl Norm, so to see that, that was pretty good to see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, now that one starts off. You see the sorceress, and she has more like a feather design. It's kind of like even in the white, you see like a feathery look for her, but. Yes. Which is cool, but starts off in gray school. She's given Adam the sword, and in a way, is saying the same thing. You got to give this to somebody who it's meant to. And then she shows a dimensional door. And this one literally is a kind of like a square door in the air. <laughs> like it's, it's a door. But so when Adam pops up, and you know, it says Prince Adam and Cringer arrive on a theory in a burst of magic. They found themselves in a clearing where a young man was battling several warriors. So you see Bo, and he's fighting, you know, like a bunch of horde troopers. Now, don't look like horde troopers to me. Yeah, they're different. They have a different color scheme. But immediately, Adam jumps right in. You know, friend, my name's Adam. Need some help? Now, again, what if Bo was the bad guy? And what if these were the good guys? And what if Bo had super strength? But he's assuming, <laughs> hey, these are the bad guys. But you know, I know it's a just a book, but it's that kind of stuff that irritates me. It's like, don't just assume. See what's going on, but. So he jumps right into battle. You see Colin Cringer hiding and stuff, and then the Horde troopers run away. But, you know, the next thing you see, you see Hordak, Shadow Weaver, and Adora, and they uh, – Shadow Weaver knows somebody has arrived. You see Shadow Weaver's doing – you know, she's dealing cards on the table, you know, doing some poker and stuff. She's down there dealing – no. no tarot dealing, cards. Tarot cards. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she's doing her tarot <laughs> cards. But uh, – Palm readings. Exactly. The, <laughs> right. The, the, the flow of the story <laughs> – it was like I said. It was different. Where <laughs> then next, when you see Adam and and Bo back at um, Whispering Woods, that's when Glimmer's there, and you see a really small Glimmer. And I got I know in the cartoon, even Glimmer was depicted shorter at times. Yeah, but She's younger. Yeah, younger. yeah. I, 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 she strikes me as uh, being younger. Yeah, like a teenager. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, I kind of wished, in a way, the classics figure actually would have been smaller. I know it's strange, but. She is younger, and and she is smaller, and even in the cartoon I've seen her shorter, but this time you see her, she clearly is shorter. But she basically talks about how um, 
she's the daughter. I mean, she's the daughter of Queen Angela, and then Etheria was quiet and peaceful once, and then the Horde took Queen Angela. So right. the storyline was shifting different because, like in the cartoon, didn't it take a long time until we eventually got to Queen Angela being free yes. from Hunger the Harvest? Yeah, we we didn't yes. we didn't hear about her right up front because there was all this other stuff to deal with first. Right. Yeah, so so in this one, they're basically going to go right to Beast Island. Madame Raz appears, bang, with magic. They're doing their flying goats instead of flying boats. They're doing their flying goats thing to go to Beast Island. And, of course, then the Horde's there to attack. He-Man turns, I mean, Adam turns into He-Man. Here comes Adora, and the sword, basically, he, he's pointing the sword at her, and he said, you're the one. He's like, how can that be? Because the sword was glowing. And what I liked was Adora had a blaster. And what was cool, it said, caught off guard, He-Man and the others were stunned into unconsciousness, unconsciousness by Adora. With one shot of that blaster, she knocks out He-Man, she knocks out Blow, and she knocks out Glimmer. So I thought that was cool that she had a blaster that did three in one shot. Yeah, she, wow. was, she, she was nasty, wasn't she? That's what I mean. And, and it followed again. That's why I liked it. It was kind of following the cartoon, but but their own take. You know, I think that's why I was enjoying this one more than the story. I mean... Yeah, the story of She-Ra. I like the sword of She-Ra. This one better because it it was following the cartoon, but you know, just doing something slightly different. But it felt familiar. And plus, looking at Adora, mm-hmm. she looks like the cartoon, and like you said, not the just flipping the mask thing of the toy slash in right. the mini comic. And she's and then they're not ignoring the horde at all, which the mini comics for most of its run went out of its way to ignore the horde, which drove me. Absolutely nuts. Where did we get them? Just one time in the mini comics for Pop? Twice. So you got, well, you got Hordak and his cameo in the Sword <laughs> of Shira. And then <clears throat> the last mini comic, uh, Where Hope Has Gone, you, you get the Horde Troopers. Right. So, and then, and then you get Light Hope. They introduce Light Hope into the mini comics for the first time. And you get this feeling that. They were starting to shift the mini comics to be more like the cartoon series, kind of similar to what they were doing with uh, the the He-Man mini comics, where you know oh, it started yeah, off yeah. Alcala and, and, right. and it, it had it had that separate universe, and then eventually it switched over to be more consistent with the the cartoon series. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. uh, Shira took too long to switch way over. too long because like you said we never even got shadow weaver in a mini comic which sucked we couldn't even get her i mean i know they didn't make the toy but we couldn't even at least have got her in a mini comic at all yeah they might have opened the gates to a toy if they did that and you're right absolutely which yeah. Yeah. that's a good point because i think when they were uh trying to bring all these other characters into the toy line they were doing that and that's what helped to create some loopholes that allowed yeah. Because that's, I, I, I think that's how we got a King Randor and a Sorceress by the end of the line. Because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think King Randor existed before Filmation. Yes, he was in the DC car, the yeah, three he, part. He was but in it, it looked real old, yeah, because he was really yeah, old. Looked really old, yeah. Arlena yeah. was old, like, yes. looked like they was about 100 <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah, they were really they had old. White hair, right? They had white hair. Yes, yes, yes. They, yeah, they, they, they yes. were. Yeah, and I, I think maybe that is it. The uh, mini comic that had the bee people and uh, Buzz off and Mechanic. Uh, well, I think they were gray in there too. But I mean, that three part DC comics, you know, that three part series. I 
think they were in that. And, I, and also, I can't remember if. Uh, wait a second, wasn't uh, Prince Adam? Adam, was in Adam Prince Adam was in there. Oh, that's what confused me about Prince Adam. I know we're sidetracking from the story, which we'll get back to. But yeah, sorry about do that. Do you remember? No, that's okay because it makes me think. That's where uh, got I got a kick out of with Prince Adam when he uh, was taking some weights. And he grabbed it and he turned it into a pretzel. I was like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, he was quite strong. <laughs> yeah, I was like, huh? Strong. Yeah, I was like, is this what you were talking about? Like, hey, there's the Adora who's, you know, like this. And then in the mini comic, here's She-Ra, but they're kind of the same. But one's a little pumped up more. But I was like, dang, Prince Adam taking weights and bending metal and turning them into pretzels. You're pretty strong already, Chief. Yeah. Is that well, the- I said that he turned it straight, I think, you know? Like, uh, they're a different type of more muscular... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't remember. God, see, that's the thing. I haven't read the DC ones in a while. I remembered by, you know, having them, but I couldn't remember if it was in the three-part series or if it was the the Superman versus He-Man where Prince Adam did that pretzel with the weight. That's why I said my mind is just sometimes it's scattered in a thousand directions. Everybody knows that, how I talk. But um, in one of those DC, either way, of those DC comics, Prince Adam yeah. was that strong where he could bend metal. And that's before, yeah, he, that's before filmation? Yeah. Mm, okay. I and I'll be honest again. I I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it came out before filmation. I think yeah, that was I know old, it. that in the four mini comics. The first four mini comics came out before filmation. I'm pretty okay, sure. I just want to make sure because I know everybody says you know like uh, Prince Adam. You know he came from filmation. And I always thought well, no, here in something else first. A lot of people forget about that. He actually was in that three part DC comics, okay. and he was completely different though how they depict him in you know the filmation because yeah, he was a ladies man wasn't he he was a player ladies man yeah he and uh he wasn't lazy and he was strong yeah so did he have a blues vest is that yeah he had a vest? i think he okay. had a blue in that too hey now i'm gonna have to pick those up just to read them after so long but yeah i remember he was that ladies man well but, and then he had the red boots right i believe I'll, so yeah. I'll, honestly for me i'm gonna be honest i don't have a clue i couldn't remember the color of his boots in those but days. i do the blue vest i do that sticks out I do remember okay. the blue vest. Because yeah, I know they used that blue vest, I thought, even in some of the uh, Alcala. I thought they did. They Alcala. did, because uh, <clears throat> the mini comic I was talking about with that featured uh, the really old Randor and Marlena, and I think it was the mini comic that came out with Buzz Off and Mechanic. Right. He's, he's wearing the red boots, and he's got the blue vest. And that always struck me as just like He-Man and his you know, when he's relaxing by the pool, like he's not in his fighting garb, he's depowered. <laughs> he just raises the sword to power up. Yeah, and that was that one, uh, He-Man and, and Insect People one. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes, yeah. people. And I think that's just like, it wasn't a secret identity thing necessarily. It was just, I'm off right now. I'm taking a break. When I need to fight, fight Skeletor, I'll take the sword out. But right now, I'm just going to chill with the ladies. You know, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, you need a break about. sometimes, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, real quick, the, the, do that uh, back to the, the sword of she So yeah. after Adora zaps them, um, she immediately – you don't see her pick up the sword, but, you know, it narrates. Just, you know, just, she's, a quick, just a quick side note. 
ladies and gentlemen, this is the mind of Joe Amato, how he flips back and forth real quick. It's it's horrible. <laughs> it's it's horrible. I don't mean it, but I just my mind it just runs too much. But uh, us on track. You're keeping us on track. Exactly. So um yeah, so she goes from shooting to where she says, Hordak will be pleased and it says Adora thought as she picked up the sword of protection. Magic suddenly flashed. And it says and she found herself face to face with the sorcerer of Castle Grayskull. So sorceress um, uh, I guess appeared after the sword glows the sorceress was there right there on a theory that's how i take it and she starts telling the story of uh of the horde you know uh, she's like uh, he's evil and his evil is spreading across the theory you must stop him and she said he raised me adora said i serve him gladly and then she tells about how she was stolen when she was a baby how she was kidnapped and then immediately just a Adora has that sword and she holds it up. She says, "For the honor, not by the power, like uh, whatever in the that mini comic." But she was like, "For the honor of Grayskull, I am Shira, or not by the power, whatever the heck she said." But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she says, "For the honor of Grayskull, I am Shira." Bam, and she's like, "Um, and it says you are Shira, princess of power. Use that power wisely for the cause of good." And she gets he. Oh, that's the other thing is He Man. After he was knocked out, that's what's cool with this one. She uh, uses her. Her healing powers to like I guess bring He-Man back awake or something. It says she reused her healing powers to awaken He-Man. So that was a different element, you know. Instead of like in the the secret of the sword where she threw the sword to him and he had to save by the power of Grayskull to get his power back after being right. yeah yeah. Right. So she, so she healed him up here and uh, then they quickly free Queen Angela. I mean that quick and then right after being freed. He man's just running right through the door back. You know, I must return to attorney now. Will you join me? But I was like, yeah, he's sure running quick to ask a question. <laughs> he's like, nope, nope, see you later. But no, so he's running through, and then There's she's a like, lot going on on Etheria. <laughs> exactly. See you later. So he's just gone. He's running through, and he's, he's like, I'm needed here, but one day when Etheria is free once more, and then he just cuts her off, just like I cut people off. And she, he says, for Etheria, then exclaim He man, and. Battle Cat faded from sight. And for my sister, she were a princess of power. So they wrapped it up pretty quickly. It still kind of followed similar, but of course there's no trip to Eternia, her meeting her parents, any of that. That's absolutely excluded. But uh, no Hunga the Harp either, which sucked. It would have been nice to see Hunga in this, but I guess you can't get everything you want. Oh, it's only 24 pages. They had to you know, jam as much into that yeah. as, as they could. Yeah, yeah, but still, with that one, I felt I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that one more. It's, yeah, it's just yeah, because it seemed like it at least followed the cartoon, and even if it wasn't following the cartoon, it seemed like there was some consistency and storyline where they're explaining how somebody got a sword, how this happened, instead of just bam, somebody has a sword. We don't know how you got it, and what's going on with your dual identity. Is there one? Right. Well, <clears throat> they shortly after that, though. A lot of that's dropped. So, you know, yeah, they changed still, the whole dy dynamic of everything, right? Well, it, it shifted more to Catra again. So, Catra became the primary villain mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a lot of those golden books. Well, it explains a lot, too. She was the only pretty much villain in the toy line. So, right. I guess that's what they were doing, you know, keeping it consistent with the toys. So, yeah, so you had uh, Golden Books, you had Ladybird Books, um, you had the UK Comics, and the UK Comics tended to be more faithful to the cartoon than the Golden Books and uh, mm -hmm. the Ladybird Books. 
Um, and so <clears throat> the way I look at it is you have three, you have three areas. You have the formation, mythology, or continuity. You have what I call mine theoria. You know how they have mine eternia in the comics? Right. I refer to it as mine theoria. And then you have the hybrids. So most of the uh, Ladybird books, the Golden books, uh, even uh, even the UK comics and uh, the, like the She-Ra magazine, they are all hybrids of the toy line and uh, the cartoon series to some degree. Because usually, usually the uh, Crystal Castle in, in all of these materials is the toy castle. And mm-hmm. the, the uh, filmation version just either doesn't exist or it's a composite of both castles. So I call it I call it Crystal Tower. So the bottom of it is the toy castle, and then the top the top piece is the cartoon castle. They just combine it into one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> and a lot it, to varying degrees. Like you'll have the filmation designs, but then they're colored like their toy counterparts, or uh, they'll have the toy designs, but then they'll bring in uh, more of the filmation type characters, more like Madame Raz will show up or uh, the, the, the Twiggets will show up. So it just seemed like they, they were wrestling with where, where to settle because the toy line and the cartoon were vastly different. Yeah. A Mattel, lot. Mattel put so much work into trying to keep the toy line Separate from the cartoon. It's so strange that they would do something like that, but right. And, and when the other way around, counterpart He-Man and Masters of the Universe were they were trying to connect it. it yeah, exactly. Toy line. But uh, I think it was just that conflict of you know you're doing this Barbie-esque girls toy line, and you can't have monsters, and you can't do all this. You know, you can't have evil characters. So they have to ignore the villains. They have to ignore that half of it. So what are you going to do on Etheria if you don't really have villains? You just have a mischievous, jealous beauty, you know? Right, and that's why, like you said, in the mini-comics for Pop, as they got further and further into it, I mean, some of them just, I mean, gosh, like you said, you can't even have really any battles. It's just nothing's really going on. I think that's unfortunately why those are the most forgotten things is because people probably didn't really enjoy those mini comics compared to the cartoon. They love their figures. They love their cartoons. They can reenact what they're seeing on TV. But when it came to the mini comics, there's just no connection. And, but unlike, like you said, these golden books and super adventures, and especially for the UK fans, they had stuff that was pretty intense and still, like you said, kind of the cartoon. So it seems like those were always the most enjoyable, but the mini comics just, which that's why I wish again, like, you know, with all these hardcover books that we were talking about last time, maybe we can eventually get a soup, you know, a dark horse could do stuff from the golden books, the super adventures, UKs that could focus on pop too, because I, I would like them in separate ones. Meaning if they did a dark horse book that had every UK comic of masters of the universe and new adventures and pop, it's like, no, that's way too much. Yeah. 
it would be That's just volumes, separate volumes. Exactly, yeah, separate course. volumes. Give each, let them all have their own. You know, they all deserve their own thing. Let's have a pop one. Let's have a new adventures, and let's have Masters of the Universe. But yeah, because there's be done. yeah, there's there's tons of stuff. I mean, fans know there's there's a lot out there, but maybe they just have never read I that think, before. Uh, yeah. I believe that um, what was the first one? The art book, and then the mini comic. Mm-hmm. And now with the filmation coming out, I think that they're testing the waters and they're seeing that there is still a fandom for it all. And that moving forward, and hopefully somebody who works at Dark Horse has listened to the podcast and um, and uh, and knows that we want it. Um, and that there's, there's people out there that want it as well, that they'll go and, and uh, experiment with... Uh, Start off with maybe masters and see how that does, and then go from new adventures to, yeah, it, to pop. Yeah, and especially especially to get like I said, I mean, the no brainers of golden. I mean, they would just make fantastic books. But if we did finally get the UK stuff, see, there's there's always that hunt. You try to find them on eBay. You get them, and some of the conditions might not be that great. You can go on the org and you can see them too. But you know, some of them the quality's good, but it's out of order. It's like okay, I'm on page fourteen. Go to the next page. Oh, I'm on two. It's like what just happened? So some people lose their patience when you can't just flip. You know, I like holding something in my hand. And that's what I mean. Give us that definitive, you know, UK volumes of each of them because these are these are stories that people in the U.S. have no clue what they are. Like I have a good amount of them. I do own. But, I mean, there's so many other ones. I want to see them all. And then some of them are way too expensive to get on eBay. I'm not going to be paying, you know, $80 for some of those rare ones. It's like – no, just give yeah. me the big volume. And which I got to – one more thing I think before we wrap it up. Mike, I hope you can um, answer this for me. Um, what confused me again, and this was as a kid, was when we'd see Crystal Castle in you know, the secret, you know, secret of the Sword. Mm-hmm. And I know that eventually, yes, it was broken. It's, you know, it's broken into parts on TV and however people want to say it was either first five parts or if it was a story, whatever. But the, the Crystal Castle – I never knew what was going on when I first seen it. Like she transforms her Crystal Castle. Oh, he's talking about Crystal Castle. It's in the background of her when she. I was like, what is this thing? And how many episodes did it take till we finally seen the Crystal Castle and you know Light Hope? I know she smashed uh, her the gem and her sword got broken, so she couldn't transform no more. Which that's a weakness on her sword. They got to do some force field on that. You know, you can't be breaking that gem every time. But um, yeah. but um, what episode? Effective. Uh, exactly. This is defective source. What kind of crap is this? How are you gonna have this? Yeah. Oh, it smashed it, it, up. No more she wrote. When when did it happen? It, it took a major blast to crack that jewel. No, I know she she did. She she held back. You're right. She held back a big blast from Hordax one ship. Wasn't it something that was the putting, doom? I think it was the doom balloon. Yeah, the doom balloon. Boy, he went full power. So yeah, yeah she was trying to knock her off that cliff, and you know she was holding 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 the the beam off with her sword. It, Didn't that, it knock that, her back to Adora too? I think. Yeah, because it it, it yeah, knocked it her back. It it cracked the gem, and that took took the Shira essence away. And now, what episode was it? Because, like I said, that's what. Like I said, it took that long to introduce the Crystal Castle. Because I used to be lost as just bananas as a kid wondering what is this thing in back of her until we finally seen the episode. But it was always there. But it took a long time till we got it. Uh, I don't remember the number of the episode, but it's it's 
fairly early on in season one because the first season was 65 episodes. So I want to say it's about uh, episode eight or 12. It, it's called The Crystal Castle. It, uh, uh, Madame is sitting in Whispering Woods. It's very strange. She's sitting in Whispering Woods and she's around a campfire with a bunch of kids and she's telling the story about how Shira found the crystal castle. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Why are you why are you telling people about the crystal? And how do you know about the crystal? No. <laughs> it's just that you just told everybody Shira's secret. Yay! How did Shira's not supposed to tell other people? So how do you know? Exactly. So uh and that's where we get King Og, King of the Trolls, and uh uh I would have to go back and watch that episode, but uh there yeah, was I think a I'm gonna watch it after this. Yeah, there's a major danger and uh Shira has to seek out the Crystal Castle. Like Light Hope doesn't appear to her. She has to seek it out. Mm-hmm. And she goes to King Ago and he's very like uh elusive about it and you know he, he gives her that riddle. And she eventually goes off and finds it. And Light Hope is like, uh, I've been waiting for you. And it's like, why didn't you tell her? You know, uh, you know, yeah, that's it. That's the other thing. See, I wish it would have been somehow Light Hope or the Crystal Castle could have been somehow in Secret of the Sword. Because beyond Crystal Castle, when, you know, when they would tell the story, uh, of course, their intro was different for those first five ones. First when five, they start- yeah. yeah. But when they started I- doing the other intro, like, you know, uh, Light Hope, Madame Raz and Cal, and I was like, who is a Light Hope? I have not seen a Light Hope. I don't know what this is. And again, it took a while, but I wish that they could have somehow introduced him and the Crystal Castle earlier, somehow snuck them into Secret of the Sword. So it wouldn't have felt to me as disjointed as wondering what is that castle and who is that guy. Or thing or of light. They never really explain the Crystal Castle. We never it throughout the whole two seasons. We never, aside from being a sanctuary for Shira, we never. And that it's it's also the ancient ones um, are like underneath. They're like these fire beings, mm-hmm. fire entities. We never really get an understanding or an explanation of what the Crystal Castle is, what its connection to Castle Grayskull is, you know, that's never explained in the series. So it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have some history of the Crystal Castle. Yeah. That could have been really yeah. uh the two the two main episodes of the series that you want to see to get most of that explanation is the stone and the sword where uh the stone gets cracked. And uh, remember, that's when tre- that's when she trips. She trips and breaks her her jewel. <laughs> no, she no. doesn't just trip. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just hassling you. Uh, and then <laughs> the stone of the sword. Damn the stone. stone. Of the sword. And then uh, the crystal castle. Those two episodes are of the whole series the most you're going to get as far as information about what the crystal castle is. We don't we don't know the. There's some connection to Castle Grayskull. There must be. And uh, Light Hope has some role uh, that connects the two because even I think it's in uh, it's a golden hardcovers book called Shira, the Princess of Power. And the sorceress knows who Light Hope is. And they they seem to be in contact with one another. Uh, So is Light Hope 
the sorceress of Etheria? You could you could say that. You could yeah, right? he is yeah. he essentially fills that role conceptually, but right. they don't really explain who Light Hope is. A lot of people over the years, some fans have thought it was the spirit of hero. Um I I forgot he's like Lord Baron or something in, in the classics toy line now. I forgot his real name in the toy line. Yeah, who cares about those? Those things are old. <laughs> those things are ridiculous. It's a shame. All the stuff that I wish we could have got, like I said, to find out more about the Crystal Castle and Light Hope. You know, just like you said, some of the history behind that stuff that unfortunately we'll we'll never know. And it would have been nice to know, like you said, a lot of those things if it if it could have just continued. The one that killed me the most is um Horde Prime. Now as you know, Horde Prime, you know, in the UK comics, he got some life. We got a body yeah. to him. We've seen that, yes, he kind of had an ins- insect kind of looked face, whatever you will, which right. when a lot of people in the U.S. seen it, absolutely hated it. But um, a lot of people I know from the U.K., that, that when they first seen it, they, they accepted it. And, of course, there's a lot of people in the U.K. that hate it, too. Well, the thing is, when I first seen it, I was happy. Now, everybody else said, well, I thought he'd be a giant. Now, here's my – this is my opinion. Better than that Hordak ripoff that we got with the toy. Right, because here's the thing. That head that they made for the Horde Prime or whatever, that, that helmet, that weird thing that's based off of one of the background pieces. Remember, Horde Prime, he's not, he was not just shown there. He was on his one big you know ship that he was on to. Um, of. Yeah, yeah, the Velvet Glove. Yeah, thank you. And you've seen it was a spirit of like smoke and energy, and you'd always see a hand come out of it. So he is not that thing that was in the background. You've never seen it. My impression of what Horde Prime was, I always thought if they could have showed him, he was like, if you will, the Wizard of Oz, that guy yes. behind the curtain. Because you'd see <laughs> this – yeah, <laughs> Right, exactly, because all you'd see is a giant robot hand. But I right. never envisioned him as an actual gigantic, super monstrous robot. I thought it was just some crazy creature or demon that was just controlling these things, and that's why he's hiding behind this mist and smoke. Because you want to think it's some imposing giant, and he really wasn't. That's what I I like to think. Of course, you know, you, you can draw whatever conclusion you want, but I would have right. loved to find out what would they have shown if Horde Prime was ever revealed, what would he look like? He's an evil Trollin. Cool. Evil yeah. Trollin. Oh, cool God, that would be cool. I could have dealt with that. Uh, no. <laughs> Everybody loves evil Trollins. But, yeah, because, I mean, in uh, like Inspector Gadget, did we ever see Dr. Claw in the cartoon? Never, or never I was just that. having this conversation at work the other day. I, I, I don't remember. I don't think so, right? No, the last no, episode? Never. In the original, no, right? you never saw it, but yeah, uh, no. that awful Matthew Broderick movie, mm. and then one of the of the newer Inspector Gadget cartoons, you do see him, but really, but never uh, the. I didn't think the original showed it. So, like yeah, again, never. Ah, uh, well, we've ranted a while. I think yeah, we, that was a nice episode, guys. And it was great having you, Michael. I mean, like yeah, you I, have. I, all that information you brought to us, you know, like I said, we really appreciate it. I know the fans do, especially sure. the stuff about the toy line stuff. That was really interesting. Oh, yeah. The whole, the whole episode, Mike, you, and, you know, the stuff that you brought today, I appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody listening does. You shed, you shed a lot of light on things that people might not have even known existed. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. Then I didn't even touch the iceberg, let me tell you. Well, imagine. we'll have you on again. Yeah. We'll be on again. Well, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, 
just want to say thanks again to Mike, Michael uh, Jenkins. You can visit him on Facebook. Um, I just want to touch upon uh, 80smasters.com right now. I'm having a little technical difficulties. Um, probably hope to have it back up soon. So just stay tuned. Uh, you can always visit the website, um, the Facebook page at 80s Masters. Uh, be sure to check out popculturenetwork.com. Be sure to check out fansofpower.com for uh, past episodes in this episode. Uh, don't forget to go to Joe's page to, uh, you know, get a custom made or figures or whatever. And uh, just want to say thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, we'll see you. See you next time. Have a powerful day. Good journey.